I know it's tough to find concrete storylines after exhibition games in late February when the regular season is still just over a month away. But for me, at least, I don't know how you feel about this. At the same time, it's it's just nice to have baseball back. It is, it's kind of like getting a, a warm hug. Even if it is uh, the barn burner that we just experienced, <laughs> as was to be expected, of course. The first game of spring, hitters usually will have the advantage here yes. show. Uh, pitchers are still very much getting into the rhythm and uh, getting back into the swing of a, of a full game and, and just the atmosphere and facing live hitters and facing live hitters that you're not necessarily that familiar with. So we are seeing very much what was expected here, but we have to tip our caps to uh, Chad Dallas. I want to say that was a, a very, very impressive outing to start the game. Uh, really set a tone that was later just demolished by the rest of the pitching staff on both sides. But uh it was fun to see, and it was also extremely fun to see how well the Blue Jays were swinging the bat here, really, really capitalizing on mistakes, of course, led by Dalton Varsho, who had uh, quite the the afternoon himself. That is Julia Kreutz. I'm Sho Ali. You're listening to the spring edition of Jays Talk across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, we're discussing the 14-13 loss for the Jays. Not that the score really matters all that much, but still, if you want to shoot a text to us, 590-590 is where you can text us. That's the people's text line, which is always open. We will take phone calls as we ramp up throughout the spring, but for now, texts go to 590-590. Uh, Chad Dallas, though, did look good. Uh, this is a guy... Julia, who largely had a fastball and a slider last year. He added the cutter for his third pitch in the last, what, couple of months, in the last year, I would say. Uh, some prospect writers, including DM Fox, who I think people should follow if you are into Blue Jays prospects, but a lot of these guys noting that Chad Dallas had some early command on his fastball up in the zone relative to last year. It was just the one inning. He got two strikeouts, three whiffs on five swings. But again, like... It, you don't want to read too, too much into things that happened in spring training, but at the same time, it was nice to see uh, one of the top 15 prospects for the Jays overall acquit himself decently well enough in, in just one inning of work. And listen, if, uh, if the ball is coming out that well out of his hand, if the breaking ball is breaking as well as it is this early in the spring, it is pretty fair to draw a conclusion that this guy is very much on the right path here. It is true that we can't, uh, draw any uh, hard and fast conclusions out of one spring outing, especially this early in the spring. But the fact that he uh, came in here and didn't really throw a lot of hanging breaking sure. balls, he he was actually very, very sharp. Then uh, that tells you that this guy is a, has a good trajectory of, ahead of him. And I was, uh, it was interesting to hear uh, Dallas talk to Buck and Ben in the mm -hmm. broadcast and, and, and really try to single out what was the difference between his first year in the minors and his second year in the minors in the, huge leap forward that he took and he attributed it in large part to confidence, right? Just giving himself credit and uh, not giving the hitters, I guess, too much uh, of the credit here. And then that's what we saw today. He pitched with confidence. It was, uh, it was inspiring to see. It was pretty funny, kind of, when... So Pearson comes in in the second inning while Chad Dallas is doing his interview, all, kind of like on the step of the dugout or whatever, chatting with Ben and Buck. And during his chat... Nate Pearson gives up a solo bomb to, I think he actually gave up two home runs, he gave up a two run shot to Weston Wilson and a solo bomb to Scott Kingery. And it was just in the middle of the conversation. He just goes, wow, 
I can't hear you guys because I guess it was just people are going nuts down near the field. But it, it definitely was a good outing from someone who, you know, I don't, I'm not sure he'll factor into the major league roster this year. But I think a large part of spring training, too, is just seeing what kind of organizational depth has been constructed across a bunch of different levels. Cause a bunch of these guys, some of them will play in triple a, some of them play in double a, some single a, and we got to see a number of them whose names we've heard before. Like we saw Yastra Zulueta, for example. And, and I mean, this was a guy who last year, Julia, we thought might've at some point right. been called up to the major league roster. And that never really happened, but he got like, he got hit more or less really hard. And you yeah. made the, you made a really good point that pitchers are not where hitters are. Hitters are, and Buck talked about this a lot in the broadcast, that hitters just will be a little bit ahead of most people. But even so, I was a little surprised to see what we saw from from Zulueta. I mean, they a lot of guys got hard hit balls off of him right away. Again, first game of spring training, I think I'll, for, for pretty much every pitcher, it's about just shaking off the rust and developing routines and getting into rhythms, but you, you hope that's something and Nate Pearson as well. You hope those two guys can take what happened today and, and kind of like kind of adjust just a little bit, whatever their routine might be if they need to going forward, because for, for Zulueta, for Pearson and probably for Zach pop as well, they're probably all somewhat, maybe to lesser degrees, Zulueta for, versus Pearson and pop, but they're probably all battling with each other for, you know, the last spot or two spots in the bullpen on the major league roster. Listen, throwing 97 is one thing. Uh, throwing an effective 97 is a, is a different thing, right? You need to also be able to locate those pitches, and those pitches still need to have enough life, enough movement to deceive hitters, and that is what we're missing here. Again, very understandable at this point in the spring, but this is something to look out for, not just with Nate Pearson, but also with Zulueta, because that has been in large part what has perhaps prevented Pearson from reaching that next level that we know that we expected him uh, to reach with the Blue Jays. It's actually capitalizing on the natural velocity that he possesses and making that work in his favor with, uh, with life and movement as well in order to actually miss those bats. So something to keep an eye on uh, over the rest of the spring for Pearson, for Zulueta as well. You're right. This is a, it's not a huge competition that is happening in the bullpen right now, but there are open spots. And so these guys are very much auditioning here. Uh, just not the start that they would, uh, that they would want, but we see that there is very much room for improvement and we expect that to happen as spring progresses. So here are a couple of things I am buying after one game one of spring training. So <laughs> a lot of this is with a grain of salt, obviously, maybe, maybe, maybe multiple grains of salt, pretty large ones, but Nate Pearson debuted his uh, splitter and he uh, struck out. I think it was David Dahl with the split finger pitch and ooh, that looked nasty. And again, like we talked about his, his command and how you can throw high velo, touch the triple digits. We've seen Nate Pearson do all of those things. And he has to command that split finger more, obviously. This is literally the first time we've fans have gotten to see it. You and I have gotten to see it really. So it's it's like your very early returns on it. But if he can command that consistently, that is something I will very much look out for because that is like if you're Nate Pearson, that has got to give you a leg up if you can command a split finger pitch. It also makes me wonder, I mean, we've heard so much about different guys learning from 
uh, you know, from other pitchers on the roster. And I just made me wonder if P Walker was like, you learn a split finger and you're going <laughs> to learn a split finger. And you're also going to learn a split finger. Kind of like Oprah handing out presents. <laughs> Listen, if you have a guy like Kevin Gosman, who's there and who's usually very open to chatting with young guys and, uh, and with minor leaguers and, you know, being sort of a mentor or a leader, if you have a guy like that, that is willing to do this uh, this job, this mentorship, then you might as well uh, take advantage of it. It is very clear that it has worked for the Blue Jays, and a lot has been said about you know the splitter being the the pitch in vogue right now. Right, right. We we know that the 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 splitter is the the hot pitch uh, to have right now, but it is extremely effective, right? It uh, it it is extremely deceiving, and for a guy like Pearson who throws. Uh, with the velocity that he does, developing his splitter, which is going to be relatively, you know, high velo, but then break as it gets to the plate, that may be the difference maker for him and what he's looking to do here, especially as a full-time reliever, right? We have given up on the idea of uh, Pearson as a reliever. He has shown flashes of consistency there. He has shown that he can uh, be effective out of the pen at times. And what the splitter does or what it would do is it would add that element of swing and miss that maybe may have been missing for him uh, in the past campaign with the Blue Jays and maybe a better chance of actually sticking in that bullpen. What are you buying? I said the Pearson split finger. You you can uh, Dalton Varshow, how he's looked, Bobachet stealing bases. I mean, <laughs> it was still one base, but like, but, but still, I mean, but are, is there something you are, or Elvis Martinez, is there, yeah. is there something you're buying after game one of spring training, Jules? Yeah, that was going to be my uh, my pick, actually, is or Elvis. Okay. Uh, it, it seems like he is uh, on a mission here, yeah. right? It seems like he is ready <laughs> to take that next step. We, we saw very good at-bats from him today. Very patient, uh, very disciplined at the plate, took a walk. Uh, not a ton of swing and misses, and then he almost had a home run. We yes. were just we were talking pregame about how pretty his swing is and how effortless it is, and it was exactly what happened there. Saw a pitch that he could hit. It was right in the middle of the plate. You have to go after it. He did, and he just missed. Still, Blue Jays cashing in a run there, again, showing the, the good that can come out of just putting the ball in play. That's what we saw from Morelvis, and he seemed pretty determined. He seemed very comfortable as well, so... I, if I, if I were to make, you know, say a bold prediction or whatever, I would say that, uh, or Elvis is very much on his way to making Ooh. his major league debut this season. Maybe not on opening day by any means, but, uh, we will see him at some point, uh, with the Blue Jays this season. Yeah. We saw him stand up at the plate for the first time. I think it was in the bottom of the sixth innings so that resulted in a walk. I think it was a five pitch walk. He had a checked swing, but didn't really swing the bat that first time up the very, the very next time up, he swung at the very first pitch and it was an immediate ground out. And that was towards the end of the game where you kind of thought to yourself, okay, like maybe he needs to prove himself here a little bit. Maybe he just, he was a little anxious perhaps. Cause it did kind of look like, I mean, for a guy who who we talk about the power, but obviously for a guy who needs to work on strikeouts and his his swing decisions, I was kind of like, ah, didn't love the swing decision. But again, again, maybe he just he was a little anxious. He's a young guy, wants to make an impact, and then he almost did make an impact down uh, down by two runs late. Obviously, a run did score on the ball. The outfielder dropped at the very end of the game. But I like the Arelvis pick. I still think we will see him play for the Blue Jays this season. But I agree with you. It might be closer. Let's say like the All Star break. Than 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 uh, opening day. Uh, I wanted to get to Bo Bichette with you. Right. Bo went uh, two for two on the first four pitches he saw. I think he ended up going two for three because he popped out a little bit later on. But he stole a base as well. Buck noted on the broadcast that Bo 
has looked very trim. And we heard him talk to the media a couple of days ago how he's added like he's added Pilates and he's added swimming and he's added Muay Thai to his offseason regimen. So first of all, I think that's what you just want to hear from someone who you believe is the leader of your 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 team, your roster. And the guys are also talked on the broadcast about how he made a speech to the team. We have to be better. Like you, you're, I think he's both hitting all the right notes, but obviously in order to continue to be able to have the legitimacy to do that, Jules, he, he has to perform on the field. He also Buck in, in noting that he looked trim also was talking about both stealing bases and he did right. swipe second uh, in one of those innings. I just, I do wonder if he has slimmed down a little bit and if he's just generally trying to be more aggressive, I kind of wonder if we do see Bo try and wreak a little more havoc on the base pads. I know when he was an all-star in 2021, he stole 25 bases. And last year, his second time as an all-star, he only stole five. So, I mean, five, I was saying this to you during the, during the game, but five bases stolen for someone we think is a top 10, maybe even a top five shortstop in all of Major League Baseball. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I got to imagine that most of the top shortstops in baseball probably steal more than five bases in any given season. And it was kind of an outlier too, because we have seen Bo steal bases and make that part of his game, right? So last year he stole five, the year before he stole 13. And uh, like you said, in 2021, that was a career high in the, in the majors for him with the 25, but he has stolen as many as 32 bases in the minors. So this is a guy that, uh, has that aspect to his game pretty much if he wants to uh to i guess evolved in that way now it does seem like he is that is the the effort that he's putting in right now and we and we saw that early and and often today without a guy like say Whit Merrifield right yeah. you look at what the blue jays uh subtracted this off season who was very much the havoc wreaker right we we said it so many times oh, in, yeah. on this broadcast that it was fun to watch uh, with Merrifield take first base because you never knew what could happen. The Blue Jays need to retrieve that from elsewhere. And if Bo is going to take the lead, then the Blue Jays should feel very comfortable because not only is he someone who can do that, who is athletic enough to take on more of that role, he is also someone that as a leader, the Blue Jays trust in making those decisions. Yep. Uh, it will also be very, very interesting to see, not necessarily in spring training, but as the regular season gets underway, uh, some of those base running decisions uh, for for Bo. Sure. We know that there was a questionable one in the wild card round last year in mm-hmm. which he kind of went and uh, he thought he was going to be safe and he stood by his decision afterwards. He ended up getting called out in a very close game that ended up with, uh, with the Blue Jays losing during that wild card round. So just seeing how he learns from those moments and how he implements that uh, on the on the day-to-day here in the regular season is going to be a, a fascinating transition to watch. Now, the Blue Jays should have confidence in Bo uh, in, when it comes to base running, and if he wants to expand that side of his game, he is very much well-positioned to do so. I, I just thought it was really interesting. The reason I mentioned his off-season regimen is just because First of all, like certainly leading by example, but he all, he mentioned things that just seemed would 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 seem to expand on flexibility, right? Like he Muay Thai, a martial art, right? You, you got Pilates and, and just swimming in general is is good for you, but adding all of those aspects of training instead of it, it, not just going up there and like lifting weights and doing all those kinds of things. And obviously, baseball players have to be as flexible as possible, but it's just 
I just appreciated hearing that he had added that to his preparation because I think one of the things he had mentioned to the media earlier in the week was he wants to be the best version of himself from 2023 as close to every day as possible. And I mean, it's, it's funny for him to say that because he basically already plays every day. Like this is a guy who plays 162 games if he can. And the only reason he didn't do that last year is because he got injured on a freak injury, essentially. Right. He's been a pretty durable and, and reliable player over the course of his, like generally speaking over the course of his career. So to hear him that, that he, he is trying to do a, to hear that he's trying to add those aspects to his game in addition to maybe amping up other aspects of certainly being able to make have a greater range defensively and also making base running decisions that can it can only help it there's no way it can hurt let's not forget that he was a pretty prolific tennis player as well right when you can was see he really? it, I didn't know that. that's right and you can see it in his <laughs> swing too uh that i guess that influence of tennis and the way that his body moves with his swing all of that plays a factor into the player that he is. And we have seen so many baseball players sort of turn to this more multi-sport approach when getting ready and when, you know, building together their game as professional baseball players. Uh, you have Kevin Gosman, you know, taking hints from javelin throwers, right, on, on his motion. Uh, you have so many guys, so many pitchers warming up, say, by throwing footballs. So that is... Uh, very much part of the modern game as we know it. And we have seen the results of it on the field. So for a guy like Bichette, who has experience uh, in other sports and who has found a way to incorporate it into his baseball as well, that should put him in a good position. I'm very interested to hear and see more of of that uh, intersport facet of of his game here. Speaking of uh, intersport facets of people's games, we heard from Dalton Varsho, who spoke to Blair and Barker on their podcast, the extra innings edition of Blair and Barker and Varsho talked about how he like to kind of change his bat swing path and to get himself into shape. He talked about chopping down trees, being like a, being a woodcutter, a lumberjack essentially. And I I don't know if that's what is going to be what turns around Varsho's year or not, but he looked pretty good today. And again, it is spring training. You want to see what, how that continues. But I, I think the only thing for me with Varsho is a bounce back season for a lot of guys is what we're going to be discussing a lot this year. And certainly Bo less so because he was one of the more consistent guys, but certainly for Vladdy and for Kirk and for Springer. And I think for Dalton Varsho beyond what we actually got for him today. And he played, I would say pretty well, especially at the plate. It's important. I think for, and we mentioned this with, when it, with, when it came to pitchers and I think it's the same holds true for uh, position players as well. When it comes to finding some kind of rhythm and that has got to at least in part start now. Right. And I think Varsho, it's going to be, I mean, we didn't see Vladdy play today. We didn't see Springer play today. Maybe those are conversations we're having tomorrow. But today with Varsho in there for a, a very short period of time, I did like what I saw from him and uh, got to cash in some runners in scoring position as well, which we <laughs> did not see a lot of last year. There you go. It, and it's really, it goes back to plate approach, right? When he was talking to Blair and Barker, one thing that he really hammered home was, simplifying the approach, simplifying the swing, looking for the right pitch. Well, if the right pitch is a first pitch, 91 mile per hour fastball, like he got in his first at bat, then you smoke it for a double, no problem, but be, be ready to hit whatever comes your way. And in both, uh, in both occasions here, when he, uh, he had a single and a double, if I'm not mistaken, both of those balls were pulled to the right field, which is what he does best. So you could see the simplicity, the soundness of his mechanics really at play. And 
you know, speaking earlier about what you buy, what you don't buy here show early on in, in the spring, it seems like this more streamlined approach in communication, more streamlined approach offensively period may be paying immediate dividends. So that is very much something that we can also watch out for because today we really, really saw the Blue Jays capitalizing on pitchers' mistakes. As the spring goes on and regular season gets underway, of course, these mistakes are going to be less and less. We, we understand that. The, the number will, uh, will dwindle a little bit as the pitchers get more into a rhythm by themselves. But uh, so far what we saw was very much the Blue Jays being ready to hit those mistakes, and they did so today. That is Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. We're here for a couple more minutes. And uh, I did say you can shoot your texts to 59590, name and location. Still a couple more minutes to do that. Why don't we uh, read a couple of those texts, Julia? Actually, this one is a this was a, a pretty simple one. It was uh, Justin from Perry Sound. So happy to hear your voices again. Here's to a great season ahead. Go Jays. I've always, I always appreciate wow. those ones. Thank Thanks. you very much. Yeah, that's, that one's, that's very kind. That one's always really nice. I see one here from Jay and Pickering. Uh, Jay says, let's just say there's an injury in the staff and Ricky Tiedemann and or Chad Dallas comes up and pitches very well. Do you see them running a six man rotation post injury? It's definitely possible. However, I will say for me, and, th- and obviously like Chad Dallas acquitted himself well today, Ricky Tiedemann, Hamstring injury, maybe we not might not see him for a little while until he is. He, Schneider said he is truly day to day before the game. But I actually think the person who has the the most likely to be the sixth guy, let's say, is probably Bowden Francis. And uh, you know, we're we're obviously going to see him very soon here in spring training. But I could see them running a six man rotation. And I, I got to think, Julia. I mean. The Blue Jays starting rotation, they were the last rotation to use a sixth man in, in all of Major League Baseball That's last right. year. They, they used were the, eight startled, starters yeah, total. All year. Yeah, That's which crazy. tied for, I think, the least amount of starters in the yeah. season. They were the healthiest starting rotation all season because, you know, Monoa had his struggles, but right. not a lot of that was due to health. It was just performance related. But And then Ryu comes back and basically is immediately good. So I think there is certainly a chance they could run a six-man rotation, but... You know, for as for now, even though it is hard to duplicate what you do on a year to year basis, I, I got to think that Bowden Francis is probably the guy who'd get the first call up to be the sixth man uh, or the long the long man or whatever you want to call it. And maybe they might entertain six men, but I don't know. They probably don't want to do that. If they yeah, I would. Ag- I would agree with you. If Francis can maintain what we saw from him last year, then he's in a very, very good position to be that sixth guy for for the Blue Jays. And it will all depend on where they are in the standings and what sure. the strategy dictates when it comes to a five-man or a six-man rotation. We have seen teams deploy that a lot more, especially after the break in which you're trying to play the matchups as well as play the numbers and the calendar year and trying to figure all of that out and piece together uh, consistent outings, especially so if you need to win, if you're in a position that you're still vying for that playoff spot. So, it will all depend on where the Blue Jays are, but I would agree with you that before Dallas, before, uh, I forget what the other Ricky, name was, Ricky, Ricky of yeah. course, uh, before those guys, Bowden Francis would be in line to be that sixth starter. See, I I think we don't see Ricky Tiedemann pitch for the Blue Jays this year. I don't think so either. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that because I don't think he's ready. It's just, I bet there just won't be a huge need. And to, to Jay's question, if they 
if there was a need, they'd, they'd rather go to other guys first. Like, I almost feel like you'd, you'd probably see like Mitch White pitch for the Blue right Jays before you see Ricky Tiedemann, just only because I feel like they, they're very careful with young star prospects. And right this second, he's their number one overall prospect. Do you want to rush a guy like that? Probably not. You know, we'll see, though. I, 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 am I going to oppose it if he comes up? No, because I mean, you want to see prospects be successful, and it's a lot of fun, honestly, talking about prospects. But I would, I would be surprised if they, like, rush Ricky Tiedemann and uh, but I, I do think he's going to be very good uh, when he does get a chance. Uh, Billy and Markham, our pal Billy, Billy texts in to say show, say all you want. The Orioles are the class of this division. The second best team in this division are their triple A team, the Norfolk Orioles. Bottom line, the Orioles are loaded. I don't disagree with that. Honestly, I, I don't I don't entirely. I don't think the if you're talking about like where the Jays are in the AL East here on February 24th, I don't really think the Orioles have done all that much to to change people's minds as to why they might be, I don't know if they're going to win 101 games again, but I don't see any reason as to why they're going to significantly fall off when basically everyone came back. I know they lost Cal Bradish for a little while with the UCL injury, but right. I mean, he's, they also added some guy named Corbin Burns. Right so I think they're probably going to be okay. Yeah. The pitching injuries to me are the biggest question mark when it comes to where the Orioles are going to end up this season, but they continue to be the team to beat in the AL East. I don't believe anyone has an edge between the Yankees and the Blue Jays, to be very, very honest with you. It's uh, it's difficult for me to to say right now sure. if the Blue Jays are better, yeah. if the Yankees are better. I don't know, but but it is true that the Orioles remain the team to beat. And adding Corbin Burns after having um, lost a couple of pitchers to injuries here, that's a, that's a pretty good addition, and uh, it, it puts your team in a very, very good place. So... They have, you know, basically all of their hitters are coming back. This guy named Jackson Holiday might be uh, oh. very, very close to making oh, his major league debut, which is <laughs> wild to think about. And uh, they are still, I believe, uh, the the top team in this AL East. A lot can happen, though. Shara. Oh yes, between sure. now and opening day in itself, a lot can happen. So, but if I uh, if I had to predict right now, that would be the prediction. I probably go as things stand right now without having watched the Yankees Orioles play a lot of their spring games. Not that he, that even really matters, but I would probably say Orioles, Yankees, Jays, Rays, Red Sox. Hmm. That's my order. And I, and I think the Yankees and Jays are, and, and probably Rays, frankly, are probably going to be and by the end of things separated by two games, right on three games, probably it'll come down to one series between all three of these teams. Probably at some point this year. Life in the AL East. Yeah. Aren't you happy to be back? Uh, I love being back. This is a lot of fun. I should mention as we uh, get get set to uh, say goodbye here, when it comes to how Jay's talk will unfold this season, it will air after all of the weekend games. So tomorrow as well, Julie and I will be here uh, during the weekdays. The games will be available via the streams on sportsnet.ca, either slash 590 or 650 or 960, depending on where you're listening. But no Jay's talk after the day games during the week. But Julia will join me throughout spring training and the regular season. And of course, as usual, once the regular season starts, Blair and Barker will be on Jay's talk duties Mondays to Fridays as they were last year. But Julia, this was a lot of fun. We get to get back in the saddle with you. Always, always so much fun to be here. Thank you so much, show. That is Julia Kreutz. Always fun doing these shows with her. I'm Show Ali. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by your local family-owned Crown Rust Protection. Protect your vehicle from rust today for a special offer. Find your local family-owned Crown at crown.com, Crown with a K, Canada's number one rust protection. So for Julia, for Tom Young, I'm Show Ali. Thanks for being with us today. Fun to get back in the saddle, like I said, for Jay's Talk. We'll have more after weekend spring training games until the regular season begins which means we're back tomorrow. We'll talk to you later.